Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everything that you're doing, you're doing with your cars. You will have no privacy whatsoever with your own cash. You can open the zip and actually the sandwich. Crow! It's just incredible. People drink responsibly and people drink irresponsibly. And then we have trouble outside. Join the conversation! Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 PJ Coogan. Oh, the lights are lovely. Aren't the lights lovely? I drove in this morning. I hadn't been in uh, over the weekend um, after they were on. I saw them Friday night wandering around town, but it was too wet, so I was heading for a bus. But absolutely um, lovely. Really nice. And the Christmas trees look fantastic, and all the, the trees up the side of Patrick Street, all wrapped in those LED lights, look really nice. Good to see them. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text, or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I must apologize in advance this morning. We had a great night to those of us who were out on the pop scene cruise on Friday evening they're running a few of these pops in the club downtown running a few of these cruises out the harbour for Christmas it's complete and utter total madness for two hours uh, with uh, Pat Dilworth the legendary Pat Dilworth spinning tunes I picked up a cold why wouldn't you and you're out on the harbour of a Friday evening and it pouring into the rain and it was just, I picked up a cold so I hope the voice is alright uh, this morning but uh, good morning to you we had significant news at the weekend of the passing of a man who and I was thinking over all my years doing this job and all the people I've met political leaders business leaders celebrities stars I, I've met if I was to write down a list of the people I've met it would be a very long list I've been privileged to meet uh, many great stars and many huge political figures and international leaders and, and, and all of that. One man I never actually met, believe it or not, was Ben Dunn. I was in his presence once or twice, but I never actually got to meet him. Um, and I learned with some sadness on Saturday night of his passing because, you know what, Ben Dunn, say what you like about him and we'll talk about him for a few minutes. Ben Dunn and his father before him and his family indeed with him clothed and fed the ordinary people of Ireland and they changed the face 
of retail in this country. Ben Dunn changed, Ben Dunn Jr. and Ben Dunn Sr. changed retail in Ireland forever. They have 142 stores in Ireland, in Britain and in Spain and they employ over 15 or nearly 15,000 people, huge employers. And Ben Dunn, born in Cork in 1949 uh, and lived in Cork till he was 16. His mother was from Cork. His dad was from County Down, Ben Sr. He went into the family business. And as I said, I never, I never met him. He was very controversial after what happened in Florida and what happened with Charlie Hawhey and what happened, all those things. But I think I, most Cork people, I think, most Cork people would have a great admiration for Ben Dunn and for the success of Dunn's stores. Joe O'Shea of Cork, you've been writing about him because you did meet him and you met him at the most controversial point of his life in 1992. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I did. Um, it's uh, I'll, I'll give you the story as quickly as I can. But basically, people might remember he ran into a bit of trouble in a, a hotel room in Florida involving cocaine, a call girl, and a jacuzzi, and um, it broke in the in the in the Irish papers uh, on uh, over the weekends because um, he, he actually ended up having a run in with the with the law over there. Um, I was I was a young reporter for just started with a, new, a newspaper at the time in Dublin, and I was dispatched out to his house in West Dublin, his big mansion, to kind of like to, just to be outside the house, you know, to basically try and doorstep him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the way you see journalists hanging around outside a controversy or some, somebody who's been involved in the controversy hanging around outside their gate. So I was walking up and down outside his gate uh, in the in the mud uh, for about an hour, and then the next minute. Uh, uh, somebody comes down the drive and says, right, okay, who's here? And I was like, well, I'm here. And there was another couple of journalists. And he said, right, okay, you pointing at me, you can come in and talk to Ben. And that was shocking. So myself and the photographer went in and um, walked up the long drive, walked across the huge entrance hall on a on a bright white carpet and into a big, big kind of library where he was sitting down. And we had about a... 30, 40 minute conversation about what had Florida, happened in Florida and he was very contrite. Mm-hmm. I think he had been talking to like a, you know, a Terry Prone type crisis PR person because he, he had he had all his lines ready really. He was like, you know, I've left my family down, I've left you know the business down and all this kind of stuff and he was very, very contrite and, but he was, he found that he realised I was from Cork as well so he started asking me, oh what school did you go to? And I, I grew up in Cork and all this kind of stuff so, but just the funny thing that I'll always remember is like I said thank you very much and I was ushered out and I was walking back out to the huge hallway with the giant white carpet and I realised I tracked in big muddy footprints right, oh. right across their hallway and uh, the, the look I got from his wife at Mary I think uh, <laughs> was like, it, it's bad enough you know everything has happened to us and now you've absolutely destroyed my carpet so th- <laughs> that was my first meeting with Ben Dunn and it was a memorable one Mm, what did you make of him as an individual? I, that meeting you said, like that he seemed to have been advised at the time. I'm reading yeah. reading in the Independent at the weekend. Liam Collins had a fabulous yeah. piece on him, and yeah. it was that he took no advice. He just sat there and said, "I'll talk to people." He, sat, he he did. He talked to everybody who turned up. I think he had a chat with somebody. To be honest with you, mm. I think he did because he, he. I've I've you know this. There's this thing called crisis PR, crisis management, right? So if you or I get into a big scrape and we're in the public eye, we you know we're told to say you know this is how you handle it. Basically, yeah. you get some advice. I think he got some advice. But having said that, I met him several times afterwards. You could always call him on the phone. 
he would chat away. He would tell you stuff. He'd have a big, big, long chat with you. Uh, for a, a billionaire businessman or a multimillionaire businessman, let's because he got a hundred million thirty years ago right. from the rest of the family to buy him out, and a hundred million thirty years ago was a lot of money. Still is, but it was big back then. Very approachable, very larger than life character. A real. He, he's one of the. He was. He's the last of that generation. The kind of the men of the seventies, the new men of the seventies and eighties. Yeah. The men in the mohair suits, the backroom dealers, the big beasts of Irish society. You know that drove around in jags and smoked cigars and met up in 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 high class restaurants and and fixed things. You know, and yeah. got deals done. Yeah. Uh, and we know. I mean, we know about his connections, to Charles Hawhey. And he was very much a kind of a, a yin to Hawhey's yang, I think. Like, you know, the two of them, for big egos, loved the, the high life. Um, but again, you know, larger than life characters. And we, we probably won't see their like again. In fact, I think we definitely won't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, for, for all his of his downfalls, like Florida and the whole political thing he was connected to, I, I think it's fair to say, Joe Wisden, that, that himself and his father before him and the family completely yeah. changed the face of retail in Ireland. They did, and it's a fascinating story because, as we know, you know, the, the dad, his mother and father met in Rochester's when they were both working there That's in the right. 1930s on Patrick Street. The dad had a vision, and he started with one store on Patrick Street and, got, and built it into an empire. What's fascinating to me is around the time of the Florida thing, there was a ten, mad tensions in the family because Margaret Heffernan, had, had, his sister, had a vision of taking Dunn's more sort of upmarket, right. a sort That's of right. a, a Marks and Spencer's for Ireland, whereas Ben Dunn wanted to keep it as a sort of a, a more on the pennies model, a kind of pile it high and sell it cheap. And in the long run, I think Margaret Heffernan was proved right because there are Dunn stores is a seen as a good brand these days, and when you get your home furnishings and all that kind of stuff, if Ben Dunn had remained in charge, it probably wouldn't have ended up that way. Mm-hmm. You still have the, the the ordinary plain end of it, like, but you have the high level as well. She brought yeah. that. She brought that. It was a vicious falling out, but they made up at the end, and I think he was yeah, he it, was very it, it happy is. about that. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it was at the time it was this huge battle, and it was fascinating, and people watching it from the outside. All these, you know, it was almost you know, we all love success, succession on TV. It was a sort of a, an Irish succession. You had the you know the the the, the sons and daughters of. Big Ben Senior, who was a formidable man by any stretch of the imagination, and they were kind of battling for the for the soul and the control, and let's face it, the profits of the company. Um, but they did. Uh, friends have said at this weekend um, that they did make up towards the end, and that you know, in the end, they kind of people moved on and the wounds healed, you know, yeah. and Ben Dunn, of course, went up and had his his own businesses, had a string of gyms, which have been successful. Yes. Other things he tried to do, not so successful. So in the end, they, they did come back together. And I suppose for the family, that must be a real comfort. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing about Hahi as well, and there's a great story. Uh, I read Gary Murphy's book about Hahi's life story there over the last t- t- mm. a year to read the damn thing. It's nearly three inches thick. But but himself <laughs> and and Ben Senior, Hahi and Ben Senior had an awful falling out over Ben oh God, Senior yeah, turning yeah. up in New York. They, they had they, there was an yeah. effing match in the middle of a trade fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want to get between the two of those guys. You know, big bulls going at it in a field. Basically, the two of them. I mean, you know, 
uh, how he and Dunn had a very strange was Ben Dunn was kidnapped. I mean, he, the trauma that guy went through in his life is all he was kidnapped in 1981 by by the IRA, IRA held for a, a, a week, it blindfolded and basically chained to a chair, released, dumped uh, in a, in a graveyard That's in right. South Armagh, you know, and and told to run from the car. He ran from the car and jumped behind a gravestone. He didn't know, what. are they going to shoot me in the back? Is this the end? And they just left him there. How he claimed to have arranged his release, to have kind of facilitated a ransom being paid, which I think rumoured to be 1.5 million at That's the time. Right. Yeah. Ben Dunn disputed this and said later, no. And he, I think... You know, there were payments to Hoy from Ben Dunn, which he then tried to get back later. Uh, they had a very complicated, very yeah. difficult relationship. Yeah, Sam Smith wrote, wrote a great book called Thanks a Million, Big Fella, which is a fantastic yeah. read, the, the machinations of Irish politics and business. But at the end of the day, I think, Joe, a great cork business giant has left us. Yeah, it, it, like like I said, you know, it, it, we really will not see the likes of Ben Dunn again because he was from a time in Ireland where you had to fight and you had to manoeuvre and you had to know how to work the system. You had to have contacts and you had, listen, you had to cut corners and more than cut corners. And he did, but he also employed thousands of people. You know, you said it yourself, fed and clothed generations. And what they built is is with us today and stronger than ever. So, I mean, the legacy from Ben Dunn Sr., Ben Dunn Jr. and, and the Dunn family is is there for everybody to see. We all drive past their stores every day and we shop in their stores every week. Yeah, you've been writing about it for Cork Bio and indeed for The Mirror as well. And we've, we'll, we'll share the links with your permission because there's a, and there's, a, there's yeah. probably someone now is going to sit down, I think, Joe, and write the mm. definitive history biography of Ben. Yeah, I think I think Matt Cooper could do a very good job and I did a very good piece in the business post so over the weekend and I you know yeah I mean he 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 lived modern Irish history business politics you know all of the tribunals every he was connected to everything and everything connected through him as it did through Charles J Hawhey as well. So like I said a fa- fascinating character from from a time that w- won't be repeated in Ireland. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, thank you very much. Uh, Joe O'Shea of uh, Cork Bio and, of course, occasionally of this program also, writing about Ben Dunn. And I remember at the time of all the political turmoil and scandal, there's a great piece in The Independent going through a very detailed biography, all the details of what happened in Florida, for example, even the names of the hookers. God, I'd forgotten those those names remember, at the time and how he confessed to everything and all of the uh, political dealings and the money and the chain hand, exchanging of money between himself and Hawhey and the famous Thanks a Million Big Fella, which gave the title to the book. And all that controversy... Uh, throughout the 90s about the family business and everything. But at the end of the day, people would call up programs like this back then when Ben Dunn was being talked about as a gangster. And people did say gangster. They used that word, gangster, uh, to describe him sometimes. But others would ring up and say, do you know what, if it wasn't for Ben Dunn and his father and to be, and the rest of his family, if it wasn't for Ben Dunn, I wouldn't have been able to clothe my children. If it wasn't for Ben Dunn, I wouldn't have been able to feed my children. So there you go. Ben Dunn, rest in peace. Larger than life is probably the best way to describe him. There was another significant passing at the weekend that you might have missed in the news. I speak of the passing of Rosalind Carter. First Lady of Jimmy Carter, wife of Jimmy Carter, who's still alive.
He's the oldest surviving former US president. He is 99 and he's in, in care, hospice care. And she died in hospice care at the weekend. She was 96. She died on Sunday, Rosalind Carter. But there's a great story about the two of them. They met when Jimmy was only three. Because it's the most, you could, it, it, it is Disneyland stuff. They were married for 73 years. But Jimmy Carter's mother was a midwife. And she delivered Rosalind. So his mother <laughs> delivered his wife. I always thought that was a great, great story. Rosalind Carter passed away this weekend at the age of 96. Kate says Ben Dunn was a decent soul. And I think when people look at him in the round, it'll always be favourable. I don't think history will be so kind to Charlie Hawhey, though. Yeah, there's actually that's actually a great book. It, if you have time to sit down and spend probably six weeks on a book, and I mean, this is six weeks of reading for a couple of hours every day because it it's a tome. Uh, but Gary Murphy, uh, who's Professor of Politics at DCU and a Corkman, through and through, wrote uh, the biography of Charlie Hawhey a couple of years ago. I have it on the Kindle and it weighs the damn book the, the damn Kindle down. But the book itself is about three inches thick. But there's a lot in it about Ben Dunn. And a lot in it is about Charlie Hahi. And Kate, when you read that book, your whole view of Hahi will change. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Check this out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. some fun. Every day, your afternoon soundtrack, I've got it covered, although it's still a bit early for the Christmas tunes. It's too early. Scream it again. It's too early. One more time, Alison. It's too early. You don't want to hear Fairytale of New York then, no? It's a bit early for a <laughs> And you know I've always got stuff for you to win. That's up to making my day, like. Be with me weekdays, 12 to 4. Simon Murdoch Midday to 4pm With First South Credit Union Where your needs are put before profits First South Credit Union Members come first Is this, is this how we do it? Corks 96 FM Quick one, how was traffic this morning on the streets? I didn't hear of any major disruptions anywhere This is the morning that a new roster has come into effect for the roads policing or the traffic unit, to give it its more common name. They start work now at 10 a.m. rather than 7. And it's a bit controversial. Reading from the Echo here, they seem to have a, a good source, the Echo do, uh, within the, the traffic unit. So up to, say, last Friday, the traffic cops were out from 7 a.m. Now from this morning, they're out from 10 a.m. Their rosters have been changed. So if there's an early morning accident, obviously, or incident, whatever guards are on duty, we'll police it. But the actual traffic police, the traffic cops, are not on duty until 10am. Like, lads, five weeks to Christmas, and the traffic cops are not starting work until 10 in the morning. And tonight, uh, this morning, was a lovely, dry clear morning and there don't seem to be any real problems in the city 
it's a I, it was mentioned to me yesterday by someone who I shall choose not to name and said it's going to cause ructions and there it is in the echo this morning as well that um, someone within Rhodes Policing is talking to the echo and saying to them come here <laughs> this is going to cause ructions because the lads won't be at work until 10 o'clock Whereas what's going to happen in town at half seven, quarter to eight, if there's a bad accident or bad traffic? It was Saturday's Echo had that. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, on Friday, we spoke to Jer. And Jer was upset and angry because of what had happened to her nephew, Lee. We described it as one of the sneakiest, nastiest, most cynical robberies we'd heard of in a long time. Here's to remind us again just of what the story Jar told us on Friday. Lee is 19 years old. He's a very vulnerable young adult. He's very trusting. He just wants to be one of the groups. He wants to be one of the boys. He likes to carry his money. So he went to the credit union three times in the week. Hmm. Um, and, and drew out 550 euros each time. So he had 1,650. He was in town last Friday the 10th. He was talking to this guy outside Centra and Partick Street. The guy was asking Lee to come home and get the bus with him. Now, Lee was asking him, how do you know me? And he said, I saw you one time there when you went swimming, but Lee didn't know the guy. Lee's phone was recording. Nice. He was recording the voice. And you could hear Lee asking him, could he get fireworks for him? And the guy said, if you give me 10 euros I'll get you 5 and he said if you give me 50 euro I'll get you loads so Lee said well I have loads of 50s in my pocket Lee took out the money and gave him money for fireworks he said to Lee you have a lovely coat can I try it on he saw the pocket that Lee took the money out of he obviously took out the money so he took Lee off the bus anyway hang on a sec at what point Jared, did Lee realise his money was gone when he got off the bus okay oh, he put his hand in his pocket and yeah, he felt his coat because the guy was after after giving him back his coat on the bus. And he started he yeah. started to kneel down on the ground. Another friend of mine seen him in Ballon Temple. And he started, my friend said she saw Neil, Lee start to kneeling down like he was panicking, you know, he was fretting. And then the guy said to Lee, um, oh, we can't stay here. My girlfriend has said that the guards are around, so we have to go back into town. Yeah, that's Jar telling me about Lee on Friday and he was targeted. Um, Sarah, the same or similar thing happened to your boy uh, about a year ago now, is it? Good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. Um, it was before Christmas time and he's on the autistic spectrum. Yeah. And um, he goes in town every so often with my husband. And at the time, GameStop was in the corner of Patrick Street. And my husband was going to the bank to get out money. So, as you know, you try to give him their independence and make them as life skills as possible. So he said, I'm going into GameStop and my husband said, I'll follow you in. So mm-hmm. he goes into GameStop and looks around what he normally does, all different shops. And it, there was big queues at the bank, so my husband was a bit longer than normal. He went into the shop and he didn't see anything. And at the time, they were collecting for the Ukraine, the war. Yeah. So it was in the news and like he'd be very soft and generous and, you know, he'd feel sorry for people. So as he came out GameStop, these two girls approached him and they said, we're from the Ukraine, we're collecting for the war. So he opened his wallet to give him... Now, he wouldn't give notes because he'd be keeping that for the shop for himself. But he would give him, like, a couple of coins, your coins and things like that. Yeah. You know? So he would be sensible with his money and be aware of money. And as he opened the wallet, the two girls grabbed the notes and just ran away. How much had he in the wallet? 
100 euros. Oh, God, the poor lad. Yeah. So he was very upset now, and we were upset. It was actually a very upsetting day for the whole family, you know, because they're very vulnerable, and you want to protect them from all these things, and you want to give them their independence, and you just can't with what's going going on out there today. Mm. This clearly was two characters who had seen a collection going on for Ukraine and thought, right, we can get in on this act, confronted the misfortunate jump for the... But I'd say they probably saw them in the shop and you know the way, you know the way they walk and you know they can be, you know, kind of awkward. So they probably knew that there was something there, you know what I mean? Sarah, I know what you're talking about. I have a a tall, strapping lump of a lad. Yeah, yeah. But you'd know there's a difference. Exactly. So they knew that before they actually even asked him, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he was very upset. And it, it wasn't even the money, TJ. It was just the fact, you know, just the obsessive. It's hard to explain it as a mother. You know, the you know he was being generous and then he would got taken advantages for being generous, you know? Well, as a parent of someone like that, you try to teach them that there's good in the world. You try to show them that there's good in the world. Yeah. And you try to protect them as much as you can. You do. And then you want to make them kind of as independent as you can as well. So, right. like, we're kind of very cautious now going to we, you know, it's desperate, but we don't really leave him go on his own now. And, it's, you know, like, we might go into the shop and stand at the door. But before, like, I could go stay into John's and he'd go to two or three shops and he'd phone me every time he come out of the shop. But, like, we don't do that now. You know, we're yeah. too nervous to do it. I gave my letter a Revolut card. Because at least if if that's taken, I can shut it down with my phone. But he's the kind he prefers the cash and he knows know. his money. You know, so I know. All, he's kind of not into the cards. You know, yeah. He, he counts his money and he knows what he has. You know what I mean? That was so, like that was like Lee. Lee took his money out of the credit union because he wanted to have it with him. Now the most he would ever have going into him would be hundred euros anyway, because. Yeah. A lot of the games and things would be 75. That's so right. he would never have more than the drawers anyway, you know? So that's mm. one consolation. And is he nervous now about, like, you said he was with your husband. Would he go in on his own? No. Mm. Well, he kind of would because he wouldn't, you know, he'd be kind of after kind of forgetting about a PJ, if you know what I mean. I do, I do. But like, you won't. when he goes in town now, we'd be saying, don't talk, if anybody asks a direction at the time, I know now it's not nice, but just like, no, people keep walking. He goes, I know, ma'am, I know, you yeah. know. But if I, I said it every time, but he kind of, you know, but I'm not supposed to know because they didn't tell me. I, he didn't want me to know to upset me, you know. I so, understand what you're saying. You, you yeah. know, I'd be upset then, you know. So he said, don't tell ma'am because she'd be upset, you know, so. There's a lovely innocence in them. Yeah. And it's been it's been stolen from him and that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. So that's just, I just wanted to highlight it. That. I'm glad you did. You know, you try to make life as normal and lead a normal life for them, and then something like this happens. It takes, like, it takes our independence to give to him and his independence away. Just mm-hmm. one simple two minutes. Two it minutes. takes the good out of it. Yeah, it does. Two minutes it didn't even take. And and I suppose that. Sarah, there was no point in in trying to find these people. No, my husband and my son walked around town for a while, and there, there wasn't even a guard PJ to report it. Yeah. And that was busy Christmas time. You know, yeah. it would have been, I can't remember the month now, but it was coming into Christmas. You know, it was a Saturday, so you'd think there would be at least one guard around town mm-hmm. on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. But no. So yeah. they walked around for about an hour, but they were well gone, people. They were well you know, gone. They yeah, were well they know what they're doing, you know. All right. Sarah, thank you for the call. I appreciate thank you, it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. I know that Lee um, and Jared were going to the guards on Friday.
um, to make a full statement and so they can access things like CCTV off the bus and CCTV off places in Ballon Temple and Ger promised that she'd get back to us about that whenever she had news. Haven't heard anything yet from her over the weekend, but you'd be hoping, wouldn't you? You, you know it's deeply personal to me, but I, I think there's a special corner of hell preserved for people who pray on the vulnerable like that. Dennis wants to know, PJ, no disrespect to anyone on the spectrum, but would you give a child a wallet going out alone? Well, Dennis, my son is an adult. He's 26 now. and He has a wallet when he goes out. and I'm not too sure. Oh, Lee is 19, so he's uh, technically an adult. He's entitled to have a wallet going out. I'm not too sure what age Sarah's boy is, but I think she told me. Maybe not. I can't remember. Um, but when someone becomes an adult, you have to give them all of the freedoms that an adult has to the limits to which they're able to enjoy them. My my boy has, has a wallet, his Revolut cards in it, he has a little bit of cash in it, he has his bus pass in it, you know, and why would you take that off him? He's an adult, you know. But I do see your point, Dennis, I do see your point, but you have to give young people like that their independence to the best of your ability. Tom says, what makes people do thing like, things like that? You'd love to know what the background is or what their life story is to see what went wrong in their lives. There's usually a reason. I'll draw breath, Tom, because sometimes, well, a scut is just a scut, you know? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Listen. Listen. Listen to your favourite shows on the go. Download the Cork's 96FM app. Yeah, thanks for that, lads. Sarah was back on to say her son is 22. Uh, that's Sarah who was on with me there uh, before the break. Her son was robbed in town last year. Uh, that's in response to Dennis's question. Again, an adult, you see. That's the thing. 0818 96 96 96. Now... If you've been down Cove Way any time in the last year or so, you can't have missed this lovely boatyard market with coffee shops and a fish and chip shop and all other manner of different stalls in uh, converted shipping containers. Very colourful, very pretty, very nice. I was down there uh, one day, stopped off for a coffee and just lovely. It was a beautiful sunny afternoon, uh, the boatyard. It has been closed down. It was closed down last week. Now, Rob Collin is the man behind the board card and is he is hoping, hoping to open it again. But, Rob, it has been a difficult few days for you. Good morning. Well, good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely devastated and uh, I suppose the, all the staff that unfortunately are out of jobs now and the vendors and, and everyone is so disappointed as well. What's after happening is we're after receiving a letter from the council just a very serious letter to say that we should just that we have to close um, it's kind of something that's so serious that I just we've been trying to deal with them and we, we have been back and forth and we have been communicating with them but this is just a, I suppose a, a really 
difficult letter that just had to be obeyed obeyed to. So yeah, we just we just had to call it a day instantly once I uh, received this letter. Go back over the history of the the project with me, Rob. You opened in twenty twenty two. How did you plan for it? Did you have planning? Uh, no, we didn't. Um, I, initially, I was, uh, I suppose, very naive. I was under the impression that because there were modular units that we didn't actually need planning. Um, we opened in kind of July 2022. Uh, I, I, uh, I had this, I suppose, crazy plan to set up this uh, like amazing uh, container food market and kind of uh, just market stall down in Cove. I just thought it was the perfect location right by the sea. It's an amazing spot on a nice day, and uh, I just thought it would be really good for the community. Um, but after opening up, we did initially receive a letter um, just to say that you know we basically needed to put in for planning. So we we did set out. Uh, we were in constant communication with the with the, with the planning office. Um, but yeah, the the plan was we eventually got. Now, extremely late, I will put my hands up and say that there were so many delays with us putting in for planning because it was such an actual detailed uh, planning that there was just constant delays. Um, we were talking to the, the council and it was meant to be in by the end of July. Um, there was delays. There was just a small bit of an issue with uh, communication. Uh, like There was just a... Basically, an email went into spam, and like nobody's to blame. But uh, I, I think that did annoy them. Uh, but we resolved it. We stuck in for uh, our planning at the end of August or the, the start of August, and uh, it was it was rejected on the grounds that uh, it was an incomplete application. Um, yeah, for some reason we had to go into a very detailed uh, description of each container and what we were going to do there, uh, which is you know not like other 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 planning that we looked at. Uh, but whatever, we redid it and we eventually stuck it in there, and uh, it's coming to a decision at the end of this month. Uh, and uh, fingers crossed, they, uh, this might just be a bit of a hiccup, and we'll get planning at the at the end of this month, and hopefully things will be good. Yeah, yeah. It it was uh, unfortunate that it that it came to to this. But even with the planning application in train, to use that word, they still told you close. Did they tell you why they were yeah. ordering to close? Um, it, it, no, it was just a a straight out no. You know, it was just an enforcement letter to say that you should close. And like I was constantly, you know, sending back, just pleading with them to just to leave us, you know continue to trade and you know like support the local community keep everyone in their jobs and we were like things were kind of settling down and I was hearing nothing but as I said it was like it was a constant thing that uh, they were they were sending letters and we were just we were just talking to them and trying to resolve it it was in the very early days that I was down there at a coffee and it was a beautiful beautiful sunny afternoon and I thought what a fantastic idea at the at the point of closure, how many businesses had you down there? How many how many vendors? Hey, there's nearly I think there's about eight. I'd have to count them now. Um, so we have uh, the coffee the coffee shop roast, um, and then we have handsome chicken is down there. But Colin is actually moving on. He's uh, he's selling up the unit, and he's got a few other things on the go. So he's he's moving on. And then we have hooked fish and chips restaurant, um, and then we had an ice cream restaurant, but. That obviously doesn't work during the the winter, so uh, Sarah has kind of moved on as well. And then we have Harbour Burger, Vinnie's in there, uh, and then we have Roberto's uh, Pizza. 
we have uh, just uh, we actually have a, a nail salon as well um, that uh, just people can kind of go in and rent a space if they like um, and and then we have the tattoo crowd, but um, as of last week there, they are, this week they've said that uh, they were going to move on. Let, let me um, come to them for a second, because they, they went to Instagram in the last couple of days, and they were quite critical because they say, you we never told them about the problems, and that now they can't contact you. What's going on there? They said that they've used the word ghosted, but your, your chance to reply to Black, to Black Poppy. Ah, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I completely understand where they're coming from, I'm... Uh, Jesus, like I, I'd be in the exact same boat vibe as them. I'd be super annoyed with me. Um, like we were under the impression that you know we were getting advice that you know things would be okay, mm-hmm. uh, we'd be able to continue going as long as we got our planning in. And at the end of the day, we were told that we'd be able to resolve the planning. No, in my eyes, there was no possibility that we were going to have to close. You know, you didn't think this letter was going to come. You thought the process would go through slow and complicated as it might be, if or hopefully when. The planning is sorted. Will you reopen? Like I, I hope to reopen as soon as possible because we also have a fuel depot down there, and it's this time of the year now where uh, where people need their solid fuel and stuff, and people love coming down around Christmas for their coffee and their weekends and their fish and chips on a Friday. Mm. And, like we planned on doing a few events and stuff, um, but yeah, like the sooner we can get open, the better. I'm hoping that. Uh, even the people that we've let go now as of last week, uh, the, between the like, 20 to 30 people that I'm hoping that they haven't actually got jobs in the meantime yeah. when we open because... You'll want them back. You'll want them back. Well, I wish you luck with, with getting it back open. When are you likely to know about the planning application? Um, it's the 28th of, uh, of this month, no PJ. And if the decision, if it goes your way, how quickly could you reopen? I'm hoping to be instantaneous, you know. Um, I'd love to open absolutely immediately. But even before that, I would actually hope to get some help, maybe someone out there, whether it's politicians or or any local people who think they can help us out in some way. I don't know how, but maybe if it's just a push on social media or something just to keep all the vendors open and keep the staff in jobs. Well, Rob, keep us posted as to what's happening with this because it's a fabulous facility and I hope you can reopen it. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much, PJ. Now you're welcome. Uh, and look, there was people saying at the weekend on Reddit and other platforms like that, well, then he should have got his permission in place in the first place. And you know what? Maybe he should. Uh, but he won't be the first and he won't be the last to have done it that way. But we'll see. See what happens. I, I wish him luck with it because it's a fabulous little facility. There's a wonderful photograph, actually, that Corp Bjork covered in the story. And they have a wonderful photograph. I think it must be taken with a drone or with some kind of a, a raised camera uh, of the, the setup. And it's, it's, it's really lovely. 0818 96 96 On sentencing in the courts on Friday, says this message, a guy from Cork got three and a half years in jail for going on a rampage and he rammed six squad cars. What became of all the talk of raising jail sentences from 10 years to 12 if a guy the car is rammed? Waste of time. All the lives of emergency services put at risk. Why would he not be getting heavier sentences? Politicians take great pride in pretending to be making a difference in society by raising jail terms, says Martin. Well, Martin, yeah, they, they put maximum sentences in place. We don't have minimum sentencing, and I'd be enti- entirely... Which are there? There should be a minimum sentence for any kind of uh, an incident where you directly endanger a guard or a paramedic or a firefighter 
or anyone like that, any kind of a frontline worker, a social worker, anyone like that, uh, in the in the in the course of their duty, a doctor or a nurse, there should be a mandatory sentence. I would slap you in irons for twelve months minimum if you do anything like that, for without even discussing the matter. But then that's me. Thank you, Martin. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You'd have read at the weekend in your papers where the judge in the Joseph Pushka case the weekend, Ashley Murphy's murderer, he was not allowed to impose a full life sentence because it doesn't allow it. Our law doesn't allow it. Judge Tony Hunt was not allowed to impose a men- a minimum. He he might wanted to save 25 years. He might wanted to save 30 years. He might wanted to say this man should spend the rest of his life in jail. He's not allowed to do that. Whereas in the UK, they can. That nurse who killed all them kids will do a life in jail and will leave only in a coffin. We saw that a few weeks ago. And, and you might say rightly so. On money being robbed from the vulnerable, this many a young man had a rough time in terrible conditions in industrial schools and did nothing like take money off a vulnerable young man. I'm sick and tired of hearing excuses for predatory behaviour. If it's not in you, you won't do it. That's a response to Tom's question, which says, what makes people do things like rob from the vulnerable? You'd love to know what their background or life story is. And look, we, we know so much now about ACE theory, you know, adverse childhood experiences and how much we, we take them into consideration and it's a whole big branch of psychology and criminology and all that. And it's got to be respected. There's a whole body of work done on it. But there's the point that our caller is making. There are many people have had a rough life and a tough life and they've never done anything like that. So you have to take the two and balance them, don't you? Thank you. More on that after the news. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Quartz 96 FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The 10K Toy Giveaway is back. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Free. Listen to Quartz 96 FM all day long from Monday, November 27th. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. You know Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas. Quartz 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With your local credit union helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Listen and win from next Monday. I can't stop winning. Only on Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. People still responding to Sarah's story of her young lad being robbed uh, around last Christmas time. And that was a follow-up on Lee, uh, robbed only last week of a significant amount of money. And we're following that story. And if Jar has been to the guards and uh, got any success with the CCTV, she said that she would let us know. And you can hear all that on our podcasts that they're there over the last... A uh, couple of days, you'll find them. Any any interview that takes your fancy that you want to hear again, we put an awful lot of podcasts up. We put the bones of 30 podcasts or more up in the course of the week, including the full show 
from every day. But if you want to follow up on any particular podcast, the best way to get them is through the 96FM app. Just follow the uh, tap your way through to the to podcasts and you'll find them all there. And any particular interview that took you fancy, you can listen to it back again. Bernie said, I want that call. I think that caller saying, if it's not in you, you won't do it, is bang on. This is about the comments we had there before 10 about, first of all, Tom was asking, you know, someone who would do that to a young person, what happened to them to make them want to do that? It's it's a question in psychology. We call it ACEs, ACE theory. It, it is a question in psychology and, and criminology. Um, there is a, usually a reason that people start to do things like that and, and, and that's a point that Tom wanted to make Bernie says but another caller then said if it's not in you you won't do it saying that there's many a young man had a tough time in terrible conditions in industrial schools and did nothing like take money off a vulnerable young man I'm sick and tired of hearing excuses for predatory behaviour which is another take on it Bernie then says I think the caller saying if it's not in you you won't do it is bang on. And can I also put a point here? Here, That vulnerable young man has enough challenges in his life. Why shouldn't he have the joy of carrying his little bit of money around town? No legitimate business is going to take it off him. The reason we're saying things like that is because we're being more considerate to thugs and not to people like Lee. And Bernie, you make a very valid point. It is often said that we care more now about why the thug is a thug than the actual act of thuggery. And there are many people who say, look, we got to look into what turns a person into a criminal. It's a very valid part of psychology, criminology, and many other ologies tied onto it. But why? Do you know? We seem to. There, there are many who believe that we have gone sort of over the top now in trying to explain it away. Thank you. Thank you to all those uh, callers. And if we have any more comments on that, then you're happy to, or we're happy to take them from you at 0818 96 96 96. I got some pictures sent to me at the weekend, which I won't mention where these came from, but they kind of are a sign of the times. So somebody that I know went to buy an oven over the weekend. They need a new oven for the Christmas because the oven is bust, kaput. So they went around to buy a new oven and they went into a very prominent outlet, shall we just say. And they were looking at the ovens and they found nice ovens. And that's a great oven and the price is fantastic and the oven is lovely. Why are all the knobs missing? And they went through the whole display of the ovens and there wasn't a knob on a single oven. And they bought an oven and they arranged for it to be delivered and all that. But then they inquired of the shop assistant as to why there were no knobs on the oven. And again, I'm not going to say where this happened, although I do know. Uh, because we're sick and tired of people coming in, robbing the knobs off the oven for their own oven, where they've broken a knob or lost a knob. So there you go. Robbing the knobs off the ovens in the shops. Where have we come to in 2023? 0818 96 96 96. Now, Iceland, if you're following this, Iceland is bracing itself for a volcano, almost definitely going to erupt in the coming days. We always remember back, God, it's about 10 years ago now, or more than 10 years ago now, when flights into and out of Cork Airport and Dublin Airport and Manchester Airport and Shannon were disrupted for days 
because of a volcano. I remember being in Cork Airport and people not able to understand, get their head around why a volcano in, in Iceland was affecting their flight to, to, to France or wherever they wanted to go. But that's, that's all in the past now. But there's another volcanic eruption expected in Iceland in the next few days. They've been having a lot of earthquakes since late October and the experts are now saying that it is almost inevitable. In fact, it is inevitable. There will be an eruption in the next couple of days. Now, Cullum O'Herlihy is from McCroom and lives and works in Iceland. And uh, We made contact over the last few days. Cullum joins me now. Cullum, you are, I think a safe distance from the dangers you are I think you are best described as being a safe distance from from the danger zone um yeah um I'm about forty kilometers away so I'm in downtown Reykjavik and the volcano is in kind of in the Reykjanes Peninsula, which is if anybody's come to Iceland and landed in Keplavik airport it's basically you know fifteen kilometers from the airport so it's uh yeah so i'm not i'm i'm a safe distance but it's um it's very close to a town called grindavik which is about you know it's probably about five ten kilometers from where they think it's gonna you know it's it's basically gonna erupt so it's uh you know it's a little bit scary but we've had three eruptions in the past two years in that same area and these volcanoes are usually kind of fissure volcanoes so they're they're not very dangerous like they can kind of predict you know, where where they will erupt and they don't have any, like, uh, no smoke or anything like that or ash comes from these these volcanoes. So at least that. So it, it's not really going to affect us too much once it goes off. I was reading a report there only in the last 24 hours that the, the, the thing they are worried about is that they can't predict the exact location of the eruption. It, it, that, that That's common enough, though, is it? It's it's quite common. Like they'll know the the main area, but it, yeah, it's basically impossible to predict. Like they really don't really know um, how these things kind of move. Um, but luckily, the last three were in such kind of perfect locations, sort of between the Blue Lagoon, between the airport, between Reykjavik. Um, so you know you could hike, and you know as soon as it erupted, we could all go out there and take a look at it. But it, it's really scary, at least for Grindavik, for the town yeah. that's right by the by the Blue Lagoon. You know, it's you know two thousand five hundred people live there, and they've all been evacuated. And there's you know sinkholes developing, and there's earthquakes that are kind of shattering their homes. So if it did erupt and it did sort of swallow that town, you know, it'd be an absolute disaster for them. You know. Um, and trying to re- relocate them and everything is, will be a nightmare. Like there's a, there's a threat to life with this thing for sure, Colm, isn't there? Well, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the good thing is that they're very, you know, the precautions they're putting in place are very good. And, you know, there's there's been no casualties from any of them really um, in the past, you know, 20 years really. Mm. So they're very good at making sure that everyone's safe and everybody's evacuated. And they've they've almost been, they've, they have been building sort of barriers around the power station out there. Um, I'm trying to figure out the best way to contain it, if if that's possible, you know. <laughs> trying to contain the power of the Earth's core. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it it is it's scary because it's you know if it if it does erupt into the ocean, then we're going to get like an ash cloud, and uh, it's they call it like an explosive volcano. So if it does hit the ocean, then it it could be quite. You know, it could be terrible for air traffic and things like that. You mentioned uh, ash clouds. I have forgotten how to pronounce the last big one. Help me here. 
It's like Eyjafjallajökull <laughs> is the big one. <laughs> yeah, that was the one around. Now you you weren't in Iceland then, but but we remember the chaos at the airports. Like if if this was to go off or to erupt in the wrong place, could you be looking at that again? I don't think it would be as bad as that because that that was sort of like an ash cloud volcano. Um, this one's more of a fissure. Um, so if it if it did erupt into the ocean, we would see we would see some um, some smoke and ash. So that could cause disruption. But they're really hoping that doesn't happen. But you never know. So it could it could potentially be that bad. <laughs> you know, um, you know. I'm I'm looking at flights daily just to see if I could get out in time. You know. Oh really? <laughs> I don't want to be trapped here for you know six months. <laughs> True, you don't. Because it got that bad the last time. Colm, how did you come to be in Reykjavik in the first place? I know it's through the music industry, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I was in bands and, and playing music um, from being a teenager in Cork. I grew up just outside of McCroom. Um, but I, I came to a festival here nine years ago and just sort of, I just really liked the place. I, I, you know, it kind of feels like Ireland here a little bit. It kind of mm. has a sort of a, a West Cork feel to it, and it's really? you know it's small. Yeah, absolutely, and you know just the humor and the kind of the culture here, the music, the you know the you know the poetry and everything about this place kind of feels like Ireland, and the, the people are very Irish in a way. So it kind of felt felt instantly sort of familiar to me, um, and then just by being in a place like Reykjavik, it's it's quite a transient city, and there's a lot of people come through. So you're always sort of meeting people and there's a lot of, um, especially in the music side, a lot of artists that travel through here. So it's been a really great place to be. And I travel back to Ireland quite a bit as well. So luckily it's not, it's not so far, you know. There, there seems to be a, a, a lot of love in Ireland for Iceland. Anyone I've ever met or, or spoken to who's gone there said they'd go again in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it's like coming into a village, you know. When you when you get to Reykjavik, it it kind of feels like you're in Clonakilty or something. You know, you just <laughs> bump into the same you bump into the same people all the time. And Is it, it a big city? Becomes. It's like I mean, it sprawls quite a bit. I mean, I think it's about two hundred thousand people live in downtown sort of Reykjavik area, so it's almost like Cork in that sense. Um, and it's just you, yeah. You just see the same people around, and it, it's a very friendly little town. It has that kind of village mentality, but it's a capital. You know what I mean? So it has a lot of opportunity, but also feels very intimate and small. Let's talk about the music business because one good line on your CV is you were spotted by the great Johnny Marr and Morrissey. Morrissey, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Um, Morrissey basically heard my band when I was. You know, I was probably 16, 17 years old and sent us a fax. <laughs> oh, what was the band, Colin? What was the band? Uh, the band was called Rema, R-E-M-M-A. Um, and it was me, my brother and uh, some, you know, some friends from McCroom. And we just, you know, it's just like a fun, a fun project, you know, just like making music in, in, our, in our garage kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, luckily we, we got, he offered to sign us when we were wow. quite young and, and we released a single with him and we toured with him for a little while. Um, and it was a very interesting sort of, yeah, it was just a very interesting time to be, you know, in your garage in McCroom and then also then supporting him in London. And it was just a really fast sort of trajectory, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. You kind of sessioned with a lot of bands then, didn't you? Yeah. So after Rema sort of ended, I just, you know, I, I kind of loved, I loved travel and I loved, I loved playing music. So I sort of 
became a kind of a session guitar player and I would tour with different artists and yeah, it took me, you know, around America, around Europe with some really great artists. Um, and then sort of led me to sort of Iceland where I sort of stopped playing and got more involved in the sort of industry side of it and the yeah. sort of, um, development of artists and, and, and film and TV and, you know, music within that. Is there a big music industry in Iceland? There is, you know, I mean, it's, you know, obviously you have band, you know, Björk and you have Sigurós. God, I'm ashamed to say I'd forgotten Björk. Poor Björk. Yeah, poor Björk, I know, yeah, I know. And she's like touring now and, you know, you see her around town and, you know, it's 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 just really funny, you know, going, you know, going into your opticians and Björk's there getting her glasses. And, you know, <laughs> it's it's such a, it's such a small, it's such a small town that you just can't avoid seeing all the artists around, you know, and that's what's really fun about this place. It's very organic and you just bump into these people and everyone sort of exists around each other. Um, but the music scene, it's, it, it's, it's really fascinating to me that there's so much talent in such a tiny, tiny place. Um, like we work a lot in film and TV. We have a lot of composers that we work with. So we're scoring a lot of, um, films in the states and, and europe yeah tell me about your company you formed a company there a few years ago for publishing and yeah we basically is me and my uh, business partner atlee orvison and he's a he's a, a very established film composer who's icelandic but lived in la for 20 years so we sort of met and both had this, a similar idea that iceland didn't have a music publishing company so there was nobody on the ground here trying to you know, look after the writers and the artists and sort of developing them within Iceland. So we started the company four years ago. Um, it's called INI, I-N-N-I. Um, and we got a building downtown and we built eight recording studios and we have our composers in those studios. And then we've just been working mainly on, you know, projects outside of Iceland. So like Netflix um, series and Apple series and things like that. Um, so it's really fun. It's nice to be able to do something sort of international in such a small place. Um, and I guess it's it's become a kind of a thing now, this sort of Icelandic film composer um, sort of uh, industry here. It's just there's so much talent in such a small place. It's, it's fantastic. As a Eurovision fan, I would not get away without asking you, and as a man working in the music industry in Iceland, your comments, please, on Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny because we worked on that film. <laughs> get away! Kind of hilarious. We did, yeah. We did the kind of score music to it. But I remember, um, so my business partner's a composer, and we were in L.A. at the time working on a, on a series called Defending Jacob. And he got a call, and it was like, can you work on music for this Eurovision film? It's based in Iceland. And we were just like, okay, that sounds incredibly strange. And my um, athlete, my business partner, is from Akureyri, which is very close to where um, where the film is shot. Uh, in Husavik. So it's just really funny that this Ya Ya Ding Dong <laughs> song was being, you know, created and this whole film was sort of developing with Will Ferrell. And the idea was that we would all go to the Eurovision and that Will Ferrell would come out and represent Iceland in the middle of the Eurovision show. But then obviously COVID happened and it all got cancelled. But um, but that film is funny. I, I think it's a really, really funny film. And uh, they opened a little bar called Ya Ya Ding Dong um, in Husavik, which is really, it's just really funny Brilliant. to see the power of that. But yeah, it's such a fun film. It is. A really, really well, fun film. Well, talk about finding a, a car connection in the maddest place possible. You worked on Yaya Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get around. <laughs> Column has been a pleasure. Will you, will you get home for Christmas, by the way? I will, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be back around the 18th or 19th, back to McCroom. So, yeah, looking forward to getting back and, you know, seeing everybody. Good. Well, steer clear of that volcano, and we'll talk to you soon. 
I will. All the best. Thank you. Yeah, Colm O'Herlihy. Uh, thanks, Colm. In in Reykjavik in Iceland. And whatever about the volcano and, and all of that, I, I honestly never thought that I'd find a Cork connection to <laughs> the greatest song never to be actually in a Eurovision. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> never in my life thought I'd find a Cork connection to that song. Um... Thanks, Colm. 0818969696. Dermid was listening to Colm. Morning to you. How's it going? You have a bit of uh, a, a bit of history for me. Yes, uh, it's Iceland is Isa land, land of fish, Ishka landa. Right. And what happened Isk, was the, like as in Isk, yeah. yeah, like the fish. It's fish land. That's right. what it was. It's not ice. It's the English translated over to uh, Iceland. Right. But that's the real name for it. And what happened was the Vikings used to, they lived in Greenland and in uh, Iceland, and on their way to, from Norway to, uh, uh, to Iceland, they would pull into Ireland. And every time they pulled in, all the local girls said, oh, they're big hunky guys, and they grabbed them. And then what happened was, uh, they said, where are you off to? And they said, we're off to land of fish, Iceland. So they said, oh, not without us. So, that, so what's happened since is all the girls in Iceland are Irish, <laughs> genetically, yeah. When you walk in Iceland, everybody will tell you the girls look so Irish. But all the boys are big, tall guys, generally, and they look just exactly like Norwegians, because no. they're all genetically Norwegian. No wonder Colm thinks it's so like Clonakilty. Exactly, that's why I thought I'd bring you... Uh, the other thing well, I'm, I'm fascinated that... by the ice and the east, because, I mean, Eisk mm-hmm. is the Irish for fish. That's right. That's the original name, and it's a derivative of one of the Viking names. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of research into Viking uh, history, yeah. and um, uh, they don't like to tell you that. Um, you see, what happened in, in Iceland when, in 2008 when the government told them they all had to pay the money like we had, you know, the collapse of the government. I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the, all the girls there said, no way, we're not paying 50000 We didn't run up this debt. That'd be like your next-door neighbor putting money on a horse and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, you have to pay for it. So they went up to the government and they threw them out of the government and they threw some of them in jail. I remember that. So, yeah, so what we need in Ireland is we need all the Icelandic girls over here <laughs> kick, kick them out of government. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, one's they, gone, that one's gone on since 2008, dear, but thanks for that, mate. It's a good story, though, isn't it? That the women in Iceland are all originally of Irish descent because they went up there with the hunky men that were going to... And Eask and... Thanks, Dermot. I don't know which is crazier. That story or the car connection to Yaya Ding Dong. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, I must bring you some sad news. Uh, over the last couple of years, you'll have heard me speaking to... It began, I think, in July 22, so over a year and a bit. We were talking with the Walsh family from Ballincollig. I went out and I visited them. Um, and Dad had specific needs. He had dementia, uh, Jim. He had dementia and vascular dementia, and they needed care. And they needed, um, they had adapted the house the best way they could for him. 
uh, and they needed a care package and I went out and I met them and I met him and um, they really really impressed me as 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 a loving family and and great great love just lovely people and Sandra joined me a few times just to update me on the situation and they did eventually get care for Jim but we got a, a message this morning from Sandra to say dear PJ and team it's with the deepest sadness that I am informing you of the untimely passing of my dad Jim in the early hours of last Friday after 12 years he finally lost the almighty battle that he put up against dementia he passed away very peacefully at home with mum and I at his side holding his hand dad gave us joy every day he was with us and we will miss him terribly he was a great friend of the show and loved listening to it for many long years mum and I would like Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. To thank you and the team for all the support you gave us when we needed it most for Dad. We'll forever be indebted to you. Sandra and Mary Walsh in Balancholic. Well, you, you owe us nothing, guys. You owe us nothing. It was a pleasure to meet and deal with your wonderful family and your fantastic dad. In fact, here's a, a little clip that we've pulled this morning from my visit to their home in, it would have been July, Stoke, August of 2022. I'm looking at him here now. He knows I'm in the room. He, yes, his eyes, his eyes are moving. With everything. He, yeah. he does try to speak. The odd word will come out. Of Tell me about Coke. He asked for Coke the other day. Yes, we had dinner yesterday. He had had a can of Coke and mum and I were clearing up the kitchen and next thing out of nowhere, he just said, Coke. So off he got the he's can of Coke. There. I don't care whether it was no. a sugar rush, he got his he's can of Coke. He's still in there. He's, oh, the, he's a messer. Yeah. And he can communicate with his face and he yeah. will wink the eye. He, the face is fully functioning. Dad asked us when he was diagnosed with dementia to never put him in a home. But we're not just keeping him here to abide by his wishes. Mum and I want him at home. We miss him terrible. Yeah, yeah. they'll miss him terrible and they will. They'll miss him terrible. A lovely man. And my, my memory of of being there that day is a memory that will stay with me. Um, I'd done the interview with with Sandra. Mary was in the room but um, wasn't didn't feel strong enough to speak on, on tape. Jim was there with us, listening 
And as I said there in that clip, his eyes kept moving. And at one point in the interview, I said to him, I looked across and I made eye contact directly with him. And I said, Jim, I'll do what I can for you. And you could see his eyes filling up with tears. He was just a lovely man. They were a lovely family and sad to hear of that. And you know what? There are some who said they've gone to a better place, but he couldn't have been uh, surrounded by more love than he was at home with his uh, wife and daughter. And thinking today of the family of Jim Walsh. 0818 96 96 96. Now, something completely different. There's always a prayer at the start of a council meeting, unless they dropped it from when I was going. Um, but Councillor Lorna Bogue, what happened last week? I, I saw pictures on your Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days, Twix, um, about what you... What was it? Good morning. Um, good morning, um, PJ. Um, I'd like to extend my condolences um, to the Walsh family as well. Um, it sounds like they're very devoted um, to their father. So, um, and um, you know, and you, you did great um, work for them as well. Um, but uh, yes, uh, at the start of um, every council meeting, um, there is a prayer, um, and in the council um, chamber, um, there is a crucifix that is there permanently. Um, there's no other um, religions represented um, in the civic space that is the council chamber. Right. So anyway, last Thursday, um, we were doing, um, we, we, we all councillors were called to a special meeting. Um, and a special meeting is the same as an ordinary council meeting. So attendance is taken. We are obliged to attend that as part of our role as councillors. Um, and um, this meeting was uh, basically to close off um, the decade of centenaries um, commemorations that have been happening okay. um, throughout the city um, over, over, the last, um, over the last few years. So, um, you know, that was all fine and well. Um, I wasn't kind of uh, sitting there waiting to be offended or anything like that. Um, it's just I was obliged to attend that meeting and I, I suppose it kind of struck me as the meeting was proceeding um, that um, there were there was going to be um, prayers were going to be said um, in an ecumenical service mm-hmm. um, and um, you know like uh, you put you put up pictures was that of your your script or what was it your your minutes or what were they no it, it was it, it was um, that was the order of the meeting so okay. um, that was what was going to come up next um, above that um, there was a table of um, you know there's going to be 15 readings from newspaper articles from the time and um, I, I, I actually really enjoyed that part um, but sort of lent a bit of uh lent a bit of irony, I suppose, to the occasion because all of my fellow councillors were reading out descriptions of, for example, suffragists um, interrupting council meetings and being disorderly mm-hmm. um, in order to get votes for women. And obviously, of course, there was all the revolutionary activity that was happening around the city at the time. And, um, you know, like <laughs> we were we were we were all sort of sitting around and reading about uh these uh, disruptive activities and yet you know when I stand up to make a, a simple point of order which I am entitled to do as a member of council in a special council meeting um, you know everybody was very annoyed at the disruption so you know <laughs> I, 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 I don't know about that. What was but, the um, nature of your point yeah. of order? 
Um, well, the nature of my point of order was that um, we were moving into a section of the meeting um, that was a prayer section. Um, and, um, you know, as you can um, see from um, the, the photo that I placed up on Twitter of the programme, like it was, you know, readings from the Bible um, and it was an ecumenical service. Um, so that means that it's a service that would include, um, you know, uh, Catholics, uh, Anglicans, um, Methodists, Baptists, but not Presbyterians. Um, so um, I, I sort of made the point like, look, we're having yet another council meeting um, where religion is being uh, involved um, within within a civic space. Um, and it's not it, it's not inclusive. Um, it's certainly not inclusive to Presbyterians anyway, never mind other um, other world faiths or people who um, have no uh, faith, you know, like so. Um, Are you a person of faith yourself, very, Lorna? Um, well, no, not really. Um, mm. but like, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a, that's a process that has been kind of happening to me over years. I mean, I was baptized a Catholic, mm. um, same as pretty much most people who want to attend primary school in this country. Um, and, um, you know, like, uh, over, over the years with all of the scandals and, you know, like I, 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 I remember one particular very vivid childhood memory where, um, some some activists had placed children's shoes um and i think i can't remember exactly where it was but like it was on the gates of a church or something um and so that was to do with um the uh, the, the abuse scandals at the time so mm-hmm. you know it's a child's memory but oh, yeah. i vividly remember that um yeah. and you know i i think that's kind of I'm I'm probably on a very similar journey. Yeah. No, was um, was it your central point then that you don't are, you don't no? believe that uh, ecumenical prayers like that are should be part of a council meeting? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, well, essentially, because I mean, there's there there were many other events on that day, um, but none of those events were we obliged to attend. I am obliged to attend. A special meeting of council because that is a council meeting. Um, so yes, I, I think I think if 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 the, if a service was something that um, other councillors wished to attend, well then you know they could attend that outside of a council meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I, I'm 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 kind of reaching a point now where, and I, I think other people are similar where it's you know in healthcare settings and education settings. The, the church is all over those, um, you know, uh, they own a lot of property um, and like seem to make their way into um, almost all aspects of normal life in Ireland. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, like this was a civic event being held at a council chamber. Mm. Um, it was a meeting of council. Um, so as an elected representative, you know, I want to represent everybody. Um, so, you know, me being obliged to attend events that only um, feature one religion um, in them or one set of religions um, and exclude others um, because ecumenical services are exclusionary of Presbyterians like um, and that, that was the point that um, my fellow councillor, um, Ted Tynan, made. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he rose in support of me. Um, and, um, you know, but basically we, we both left the meeting then before okay. um, the, the service started. Okay. Have you an objection? You, you mentioned, and I 
I, I was correct. I, I thought they'd done away with it since my time sitting in on council meetings at the press bench. But do they still say the prayer at the start of the meeting? And do you have an objection to that? Um, yes, they they do. Um, I, I I have had an objection about that um, since becoming a councillor, and many other councillors have had objections to that over the years. Um, but so so I don't, you know, like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, that's a battle, battle that's been uh, lost a long time ago, I would say. Um, but I I do I I still do I suppose have the the right to say that I find it quite strange thing to do um, mm-hmm. in a civic space before a civic meeting that is a business meeting of council, mm-hmm. um, you know, like and and you know may, maybe maybe it speaks to the lack of diversity among councillors. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I were if I were a member of another world religion, I would find that quite exclusionary. Yeah, it happens in the Dáil and Shannon as well, still. Yeah, but but I but you see, I I think I think it is something that, you know, it's 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 a small thing. It's not something that I'm again going out being extremely offended about. But I'm just pointing out that it is extremely strange thing for po- political institutions to do, particularly in a state where the Catholic Church has had so much power was given sure. so much power sure. you know so i mean like you 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 know if you if you're someone who wants to um be have your children educated outside of um catholicism like you'd be very hard pressed to find a primary school you know yes. and also many parents still feel like as i've i've friends now who um you know have have small children and you know, they're starting their families and, you know, it's all very exciting. And even though they may feel the same way that I do about the Catholic Church, they still are having to get their children baptised in order to secure yeah. places in okay. schools. That, that's, you a, know, that's, so that's, that's a discussion that's filmed, f- filled many a morning. Lorna, the actual yeah. section that you're talking about, this the ecumenical section of that meeting, how long, mm. how long was that compared to the actual length of the meeting? Um, well, I I don't know because I wasn't there. Um, so, um, but but it seems to take up a large amount of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we'll put it out there. See what people think. You just felt it was inappropriate, I think, to be have it included in in what was a civic a civic meeting. Yeah, it was. Um, because I mean, like, is is there no civic space in Ireland where um religion is not part of it? You know. But, like I, I don't think so. Like as you say, the doll and the Shannon okay. are the same. Um, like, but 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 how 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 do how do people of other faiths and none yeah. participate fully in mm. in in a system like that? You know. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Good question. Uh, let's put it out there. Lorna Bogue of Green Left objected to the content of ecumenical prayers in that meeting last week and on a broader term objects to the prayer at the start of every council meeting. There's also a prayer at the start of every Doyle and Shannon sitting. Um, I wonder in other parts of the world, do they have a prayer at the start of meetings in, say, the the States, in, in, in the as representatives there or the Senate do, do, and do they pray at the start of a meeting in Parliament in, in Westminster I, I don't, or in Scotland, I, I don't actually know, I don't actually know she mentioned Ted Tynan 
as also objecting to the content of that particular meeting. I'll talk to him next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The Big Drive Home. With Izzy Showbizzy. On Court 96 FM. Join me weekdays from 4 p.m. for more singing voice notes. Hello, would you mind playing Dermot Kennedy and kiss me the way? More chances for you to win amazing prizes. Correct! Congratulations! <laughs> Thanks, Lily. I can't wait. I love Carlin House. I'm delighted. <laughs> I'm laughing during a way. I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And all of the best music too. Join me weekdays from 4pm. The Big Drive Home. With Clonakilty Food Company. Spikeball, tacos, pizza. Clonakilty Black Pudding is the making of any meal. So go on, be a rebel. Cooks 96 FM. 96 FM. Interesting email in from Emma there in the last couple of minutes, which I will get to on this very subject of praying at meetings and indeed the praying and the religious content in schools and the education system in general. There's a broader conversation to be had here, but uh, Councillor Ted Tynan, you joined Lorna Bogue in her objection to those prayers at at the meeting last week. Why? Good morning. Yes, PJ. Um, and I, I I think it's 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 worth pointing out too that this, this uh, country, the state that we live in, refers to itself as a republic. So I am wondering, do a lot of people who use the word republic and republican, do they really understand what, is, what it means? Um, after all, we only have to look at the, the legacy of crimes of religious organisations in, among other places, or um, infamous Bezborough down below in, in Black Rock, you yeah. know? So yeah. I... I think it's, it's, it's time that we behaved as a civic uh, authority and leave religion to people's own particular um, uh, ideas. If a person wants to say they're um, a Christian or a Muslim or a Protestant or a Catholic or whatever, then they're quite entitled to do that. But I think we should separate the idea of um, church and state. And that is a campaign that has been raised by many people for many decades mm. Would I be right in saying, Ted, that you've been a long-time objector to say the prayer at the start of the council meeting? Yeah, I've, I've, I, I don't partake in it. I would, out of respect to people, I would stand up, but I agree with the uh, minute's reflection, which which covers everything, and I, I think the prayer need to be um, uh, removed from the activities of the local authority, which after all is a civic, civil authority, you know, so. And you'd object to it saying the Doyle or Shannon as well? I would, I would, yeah, certainly, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems you know, to be done around the world, only, though, I think, in Houses of Parliament and indeed local bodies of, of, yeah. of, of legi- local yeah. legislatures around the world. I know it's done in Spain, for example. Well, you, you only need to have, have looked at our own um, history in Northern Ireland, where 4,000 people died um, over a 20-year period in the 80s and 90s, the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s. And Catholics were killing Protestants, Protestants killing Catholics, you know. And even in Northern Ireland today, they, they still have two main education systems mm-hmm. there, one for Protestants, one for Catholics. I think this is crazy. 
they are. Uh, but they also uh, have two two sets, Ted, of very devout followers of their faith in the north. I, I would consider Northern Ireland people or Northern Irelanders to be far more devout devout than we are these days even. I I would be inclined to think I would incline to agree with you. But then again, it's because of the hostility shown by one side to the other that generates this kind of uh, devoutness and that eventually leads to violence which it has done. Many yeah. people were murdered Northern Ireland because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time on the wrong streets and the organisation that carried out those atrocities, a number of organisations carried out these atrocities and Sinn Féin who are now heading in, in, into government need to get their act together too as well in relation there, to There hasn't been an election yet so What do they mean by republicanism, that? you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, would you go so far Ted, again, broaden it out schools for example where there's a morning prayer at the start of class or indeed the angelus on the on the radio and television would you do away with that i i i think so because um religion is 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 a person is a personal choice of a uh, of people of a family and it should be left as a private matter um not to be driven down people's throats and all that you know so mm. And it's like the the Bishop Lucy Park in, in Grand Parade. Like I, we objected to that as, 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 at the time. Did you? Yeah, I was the only councillor at a meeting way back in the eighties. And I before my time. I I'm inclined to stand alone at times over the years. I I find it getting very lonely at times. <laughs> but I was absolutely thrilled with Lorna Borg um, last Monday evening when she um, asked me to to join with her on this. Um, on her proposal, and I willingly did. Right. Um, and I, I, I felt at least as I'm, I'm no longer in a in a corner on my own. No. So I'm glad to see might, that. Might, I, might I just play devil's advocate? You know? Might but, I play devil's advocate for a second, Ted? It's it's one minute at the start of a meeting. Just don't take part in it if you don't want to. End of story. What? Well, I, I, I don't have. I, I will stand up, but the part that I will observe is the is the reflection, yeah. a minute silence, and I, I think that is a solemn way of doing it, and I think to satisfy the needs of most people. So just do I the minutes and forget the prayer. You only need to look at at in, um, uh, the Middle East at the moment, in 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 Gaza and the West Bank the atrocities that are being committed there and yeah. the, the state of Israel then they're actually abusing the, the Jewish faith you know because <laughs> if, it's if, probably if, a bit over complicated for this program now had to be getting well, into that particular religious debate to be fair well, well if 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 we like we do read our history most of us I'm sure read our history and I can uh, you can um, talk about Hitler when he said to go and get the get the the Jew and the Bolshevik, you know, and what he meant by that was socialism, of course, to destroy socialism. But um, anyway, look, we can drift all over the place, PJ. <laughs> you could, I, you could, I, to make for an interesting point. Did <laughs> well, yeah. I know. I think we we should have more debate in these things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like by the way, PJ, for the record, in twenty eighteen. I, I made a reference to the Besborough Mother and Baby Home scandal 
and the fact that it was a crime scene and that the guy I recall it very it. well. I recall it very well, Ted. I do. And a couple of days later, I received um, a letter from the the good sisters down there in Bresbury. I've had a few of those letters myself over the years, but be careful about quoting the content. <laughs> demanding that I would uh, withdraw and yeah, I've had a few. I, I've had a few of those letters over the years as well, Ted. I used to use them as posters, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, good okay. talking to you, Ted. Look, and we you, can be a bit light-hearted about it too, PJ. I know, it's, we're it's, just... It's, but it's, it's, it's a good conversation yeah. and happy to have it with you. I think so, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. That's uh, Councillor Ted Tyner. It's a broad conversation. No prayers at council meetings. Himself and Lorna Bogue would like to... Get, Lorna was particularly... Uh, upset about the ecumenical prayer section of that meeting last week and she objects to the prayer at the start and indeed to the prayer at the start of Doyle and Shannon. We got an email from Emma which I will read after the news. Glad to have this uh, conversation. Question for yourself this morning. Should there be more of a division between church and state and church of education like a prayer at the start of a council meeting, a prayer at the start of the Doyle, the Angelus on the telly is it time to do away with all of that? Happy to broaden it out. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Oh, this one looks like it might take off. Lorna Bogues' objection. Councillor Lorna Bogues' objection to the inclusion of the ecumenical prayers at a council meeting last week and then she broadened that out to say she doesn't agree with the prayer at the start of the council meeting either. Neither does Councillor Ted Tyner and he said he'd been objecting to it for years. We were asking the question, you know, should these things be separated? Lorna Bogue and Ted Tynan both believe firmly that the public business of the council is a place that should not have any religious element to it and that it's time to do away with the prayer. Now, th- those prayers happen all over the world. They happen in the Dáil, they happen in the Shannon, they happen, they happen all over the world, I do believe, in, in legislative ch- chamber. It, it's kind of part of, of doing the job, but they want them done away with. And you can broaden it out to education, too. We got an email from Emma while uh, Lorna and I were speaking, and Emma says, PJ, great to hear Lorna on air. There should definitely be more separation between church and state and separation between church and education too. I have no issue, says Emma, with people practicing their religion. I teach my kids about all religions, but they're not baptized. I will let them make the decision themselves instead of indoctrinating them into a religion that they might not agree with further down the line. I think religious studies should be separated out of school and done at the weekend like it is in America and in other countries where they have Sunday school. It's time to have the conversation, so well done to Lorna for bringing it up, which really broadens it out. Emma, thank you for that. Where am I going first? To a actually, former, former councillor, uh, Tim Brosnan. Tim, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. The prayer was there in your day. I thought it was gone, but it's still there. 
It's still there, PJ, and I used to refer to it as the prayer for happy endings. Because if I might read the prayer, PJ, because I'm sure the public aren't aware of it. Okay. Is it a long one? Very short, very short and sweet. Direct, we beseech thee, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspirations, and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may always begin from thee, and by thee be happily ended to Christ our Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, same one as they the read out at the start of the doll. Yeah. The same thing, yeah. Now, basically, I suppose, it, it's not appropriate for this day and age uh, because they're transferring responsibility to the Lord to ensure that everything gets sorted out, whereas they should be accountable for sorting matters out. Mm-hmm. And it would be far more preferable, in my view, to have something like an undertaking signed by all the members as they begin their meeting, that there's no conflict of interest, that they're working on behalf of their people, that they're open and honest in their dealings. Because you can see people inside in the doll, you had people pressing buttons when they weren't even there, they had people pressing buttons on their behalf. <laughs> you see them on the mobile phones, they're gathering property portfolios. So there's a lot that needs to be sorted. But there is... There is need for accountability by all public representatives. And rather than clamouring something and passing it on and blaming it on the Lord, they should be taking responsibility for their actions and for their failures, and they shouldn't be looking to the Lord for a happy ending. Am I, su- am I hearing a suggestion, Tim, then, that had be done away with? I would say that the, the particular prayer that's there at the moment should be done away with. Absolutely. It's not appropriate. To pass the book. What would you replace it with, Lord. or would you just replace it with a minute of refle- a minute of reflection? Well, you could. You'd, you, well, first thing you'd have to start the meeting by saying, "Has anybody?" You'd ask people to confirm that in the meeting that they are present and attending, and that they're uh, there and making decisions freely, and that they're not under the influence of anybody. You need you, you need them to take an undertaking, like uh, I suppose, if you like, a kind of a. A note before each meeting that everything is going to be pure and honest. Because a lot of the time, swear, swear on the Bible. So someone will throw the Bible at you, like but just, just, just do it for the record. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you see, I mean, you'd be looking at. But the you, if you take an oath, you're invoking the Bible, aren't you, really? Well, I'm not saying an oath. I'm saying that you, you'd be taking, giving an undertaking, a solemn undertaking. Okay. Because when you when you look at the the, the dial and indeed in the constitution myself, that people are playing with their mobiles, they're True. on different distractions, they're not paying attention to the matter at hand. And some of the decisions, uh, and uh, you know, all the councils seem to be uh, no, they seem to be uh, uh, I suppose, a cheering mob in favour of the management. There seems to be very little um, <laughs> dissent or if you like, there's very little debate about Well, as we now. discovered last week, Tim there's very, with, with referred to the Christmas lights, there's very little there's very little power. This decision was made that there would be no public assembly and, and they were just told that that is what it is. And, and I mean, for one councillor, you, you, you mentioned it yourself, one councillor said, here should the 18 grand would be trivia. That, that's no way for a council to be behaving. They should be having the Christmas lights. They should be telling the manager what to do. This, yeah, yeah, now yeah. you're in a situation where in this council in particular, I've noticed, and up and down the country, all the councils are doing what the management wants. They're no longer independent of management. They're no part of the management. 
Well, it used to be a time when I was covering council, and I'm sure when you were a member of council, we're, we're going to a different side of the conversation now, but just yeah, for a second, when I was covering council and attending the meetings every week or every two weeks, it was the very much the case that the management of the city had to be said by the decisions of council. It didn't matter what yeah. the management said. If the elected member said no, then management went back and thought yeah. again. Those days are gone. They are. And you see, we no longer have what's called a city manager. We know of a chief executive. And the old Better Local Government legislation from in around 2000 actually took power off the cities mm-hmm. and off the councils, even though it, it praised them and it raised the wages. It took the power off them. Yeah, yeah. And the, the chief executive now does not have the same power that yeah. the manager had. We're, we're, going, mean, off on, we're going off on a tangent, yeah, which is anyway, an interesting one, but, 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 but come back to the start. Really, PJ, no more, no more prayers. I don't think I don't think a religious prayer is appropriate, but I do think they need to give some kind of an undertaking or invocation okay. that everything will be done fair and honestly and with a clear conscience and right. nobody's acting for anybody's interests. Right. Because that does arise from time to time as well. Right. Tim, thank you. Good call. Former uh, councillor of many years standing. Uh, Tim Brosnan. Tony. Hel- hello, PJ. How are you, sir? PJ, there's a quote there from Karl Marx there, religion is the opium of the masses. Yeah. What I believe in, religious is, religion is a private thing to everybody, every individual as such. There's been wars being fought over religion. Is that the truth? And if you look up your Bible, Christ threw the money changers out of, out of the synagogue. Sure, most, most, wars, now, most wars in history had a religious basis to them when you think about it. No. This is it, like what I'm saying, uh, quoting the... No, if you read your Bible, Christ Christ, well, Christ didn't agree with governments either, if, if, you take it, if you take it from that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes. You would do away with the prayer at the, at the start of the council meeting? Of course, yeah. It's private. And, and you'd, agree with, you'd agree with Lorna Vogue, would you? Yes, of course. Religion is private to each individual. There's people go up to the church, they they're very religious. That's their privilege. I respect that. I'm not. But um, it's up to every individual, and every individual's it should be uh, ideas should be respected. But it should not get into uh, the state or the any religion or the state or anything. Would you take and it out of the schools? Any religion. Would you take it out of the schools? Yes. Mm. it's up to the parents to teach their kids if they think yeah. what's right and there's people out there who are not religious and there's people out there and their families yeah. and they're treating your families do good to your neighbour yeah. if anybody, if anybody thinks that, uh, that this is an unfair question they can tell me and if you think it's an unfair question you can tell me Have you, I do, are you a person of faith yourself Tony? No, I, I am not. I, I, I'm a, a person who believes in look after your neighbour mm-hmm. and respect your neighbour and regardless what religion or whatever he or she believes in. Mm-hmm. But everybody has that in. People are individuals and that's what it should be. Okay. All right. Tony, thank you very much. This is much more than just prayers at a meeting. Uh, objected to by 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 Lorna Bogue and uh, and Ted Tynan. There's a move. There's a belief out there that even the prayer at the start of the meeting is out of date. If you were to listen to Tim Brosnan, Tony wouldn't want a prayer at any meeting, at any time. Let's just um, 
go through some of your reactions because they are coming in. Happy to take them at 0818969696 or pop me a voice message to 0833969696. Can you ask that councillor if there were or are Presbyterian people in our city council? Also, if it were a faith service for a Muslim or Orthodox or other faith, would she object? She could just have excused herself for the faith part. Kevin says, if you want to replace the prayer, replace it with a pledge or a promise, says Kevin. That's kind of what Tim Brosnan was saying there. Kate says, there are so many religions out there now and so many takes on religion that you have to take it out of the classroom or you'll forever be explaining, listing out exceptions and comparing yourself with other religions. John says, look, another opportunity to bash the Catholics. If she doesn't like the prayers that have been there for many years before her, go in ten minutes later and just avoid the prayer. That's from John. Call us as there are prayers before meetings of the U.S. Senate and the Congress. I wonder, does Councillor Ted Tynan say this to people when he knocks on doors looking for votes? Bacon Ballyfahan reckons we should read out the proclamation, seeing as Ted said, we're a republic. Oh, that'd take too long to read. Wouldn't make that great a lengthy document compared to a two-minute prayer. But I've great respect for it, Mick, as you know. Wouldn't want to draw an angry Mickey Malifian on me, but I take your point. I applied for my son to three schools. Two are Catholic run, one is not. None asked for any baptism cert. He wasn't baptized either. Religion shouldn't be over any school, but I didn't baptize him six years ago and never needed it, says Sarah. Above all things to be bothered about, a prayer is very close to the bottom of my list. By the way, I'm a very a la carte Catholic. One thing that should happen is to evolve the teaching of religion to me, more be more theology-based. What I learned about other faiths in school, you could write on the back of a stamp. I wish I knew a lot more. It might help me understand other religion a lot more, says Kevin. John says, get rid of religion. Problem solved. Um, it's great to see the liberal woke agenda has warmed its way into council chambers. If she and others don't like it, then hand in your notice, says David. And good man... Good man, that caller is the smartest caller you've had on in a while. You've ever had on, in fact. Religion, all religion, should be catered, should not be catered for in public. And that is from Kevin. I think you're referring there to Tony. Let me read Emma's uh, email again, in case you missed it, because it broadens it out into the schools. And I know a lot of listeners with kids in school, like my kids are long gone from school now, and at the time, you know, we... We did all the things with them. They were baptized. They made the communion. They made the confirmation. Now a lot of kids don't get baptized. Um, a lot of parents choose not to baptize their children. And it can cause problems when it comes to school because a lot of schools require you to have the child uh, baptized. So let's read Emma's mail again. I normally wouldn't read an email twice. Maybe didn't catch it. I already coming out of the news. PJ, great to hear Lorna Bogue on air. There should be definitely more separation between church and state, and separation also between church and education. I have no issue with people practicing their religion. I teach my kids about all religions, but they're not baptized. I will let them make the decision themselves, instead of indoctrinating them into religion that they mightn't agree with down the line. I think religious studies should be separated out of schools and done at the weekends like it is in America and some other countries where they have Sunday school. It's time to have the conversation, so well done to Lorna for bringing it up. Thank you from Emma. 0818 96 96 96. 
Your thoughts are more than welcome. I'm looking at him here now. He knows I'm in the room. He... Yes, he's all... I beg your pardon, Adora. How that quite happened? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Quartz 96 FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The 10K Toy Giveaway is back. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Free. Listen to Quartz 96 FM all day long from Monday, November 27th. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. No Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas. Quartz 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With your local credit union helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Listen and win from next Monday. I can't stop winning. I will never sing Only on Cork's 96FM. Now for something different, I promised you. Do you remember last week I mentioned to you that I'd had a very strange dream? Very odd, indeed. And it had kind of left me woolly-headed. Uh, it was a dream I had that I was driving through Ballinlock. Uh, and in the middle of the afternoon between the Orchard Bar, Driscoll's Shop and Cashel's Chemist. And I was heading down towards town with those three fine premises on my right-hand side. And I saw a crash. There was an ambulance crashed into Driscoll's. There was a hearse came out of nowhere, did a huge horseshoe turn and crashed into the walls of Cashel's Chemist. A hearse, of all things. And then there was... A guard car crashed into the hearse. It was just the most bizarre thing. And I woke up kind of, what the hell is going on here? Because I was sitting in my little car watching all this going on around me. I didn't subsequently tell you, I had a follow-on dream about two nights later. And this particular time I was driving on Maryborough Hill. Not the Douglas end of it, but the Bunny Gurney end as you're going up the hill there, top of the hill to go down towards Carrigaline. All of a sudden, I couldn't control the car. There was no control in the car. I couldn't stop it. I was doing that, like going down the hill like the hammers of hell and couldn't stop it. And coming up against me is the 220 bus. Um, it we, we didn't collide. I woke up before the collision. It's a very strange dreams. And we're, a couple of other people called us um, with strange, strange dreams of, of their own. Uh, and we are going to get an analyst on over the next couple of weeks uh, to uh, to go through it because their dream analysts are always very popular on the show. And now I've got one of my own uh, to to put to our analyst when we get them. But Tom got in touch. Tom, I'm looking at notes in front of me here. You've your own story entirely to tell. I do. And uh, the reason I contacted you was uh, I got in uh, a thing on my mobile phone about Ryanair having an encounter uh, with uh, with an unidentified flying object. And I thought it was some form of hoax because it said uh, 96 FM were talking about it. Yeah, it was on, on our website. Yeah. And uh, then I, I went into this uh, strange dream that I had. <laughs> Tell now, me about the dream. A couple of things that I, I must spell out first is this. First of all, um, I'm on uh, a blood thinner. Right. Uh, if I shave and I get a nick, I bleed profusely for quite some time. Okay. Um, also, uh, I never wear pajamas. Right. Now, on the second Wednesday of June past, 
uh, I went to bed at my usual time. Mm-hmm. And during the night, what time it started, I don't know, I started to dream I was looking for my uncle. <laughs> and in my dream, I was saying to myself, why am I looking for my uncle? I know he's dead. He died about, God rest the man, about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And in my dream, I wound up uh, standing out some sort of uh, complex, something similar to the Rome dockyard. Right. And I'm looking down into this uh, industrial complex, and there's a large black shed, uh, industrial shed on the right-hand side of this complex. And a voice says to me, you're looking for your uncle. Now, it's a male voice, a very low, monotone voice. Mm. And I said, yes. And the voice said, if you want to find your uncle, walk past that shed, turn right, and you'll find him. So in my dream, I walk past the shed, I turn right, and as I turn right, I see this most beautiful, highly polished crow. Right. It's about the height of a, of a single-story bungalow and very long. And no windows, doors on this thing. But on the side of it, there was a, a sign. And the sign, I'm guesstimating, about a foot high or maybe a little bit more. Right. And it looked like it's as if it was living, moving gold. And the lettering was in sort of Arabic lettering, mm-hmm. morphing into Egyptian hieroglyphics. And I was admiring this beautiful, highly polished building yeah. uh, made of silver or, gold or, 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 or chrome yeah. and this beautiful sign and wham, an opening appeared in the side of it. Right. And the voice said, step in. And I stepped in. And the very moment I stepped in, this was like being in an elevator. Mm-hmm. I started moving upwards and I looked up and I could see all of the fishes and that in the sea reflected on as if it was a mirror. Right. Then suddenly it stopped. And when it stopped, I looked down and I was standing upon this semicircular black platform and I was looking down on people and I was so high up, the people were like little statuettes. Okay. And they were building a road of stone down to a sea. And they were using horses and wagons. So I asked the question, why don't they use trucks? And now this is all in my dream. Yes, yes, yes. And the voice said, trucks haven't been invented here. And then the voice said, I brought you here for two reasons. I thought you might like to see this scene and to apologize for what I'm going to do to you. Okay. And I said, what are you going to do to me? And the voice said, take a sample of your skin. Now, I'm emphasizing this. Take a sample of your skin. Mm -hmm. And the very moment the word skin was mentioned... I woke up in the bed with an unmerciful pain in my right knee. And behind you, and the first thing I said, what the bleep, bleep, bleep am after doing to my knee? Yeah. And I looked at the clock, and it's 20 minutes to four in the morning. Right. And I'm sitting up in the bed with this unmerciful pain in my right knee. I get out of bed, and I go to the bathroom. Uh, I use the bathroom, and I, have a, I wash my hands and face. Mm-hmm. I put down the toilet seat and cover and I put my foot up to have a look at my knee to see what's causing the pain. And there's a piece of skin removed from my knee. Oh, my God. It's about just under a half an inch long and about a quarter of an inch high. You sent us a picture. Yes, I did. It's like a graze. It's like you'd fall and scrape the skin off your leg. But you said that you're on blood thinners, so you should have been bleeding. Bleeding profusely. No blood. Nothing, just this unmerciful pain in my knee. Was it tender to the touch? Now, I'm going to tell you, I actually have soothe the cream, and I just 
place that just going to rub it into it and it was as if the volume of the pain was turned up the very moment it touched it. It oh. was unbearable. Right. So I couldn't put that on, went back to bed, one leg outside of the blanket and I tried to get back to sleep and eventually I fall back to sleep and I get up Thursday morning. And I go into the shower, I'm having a shower, at the very moment the water hits my knee, my leg buckles underneath me with the pain. Crazy. Um, I dry myself off and I have to roll up my trousers leg because my trousers were rubbing off. It was really driving me off. I was despair with the pain. And I put a plaster on it. And within 15 minutes of putting the plaster on, I had to take it off because I had a very bad reaction, not to the cause, but to the plaster itself, the sticky part. Right. Now, I've been using these plasters for years when I get cut and things like that. So what I've done was I put the plaster on my other knee to see if I have a reaction. No reaction. Right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday and Monday morning I woke up, the pain was still there and I rang my doctor. And I made an appointment to see him and I went down to see him and I'm telling him the story that I'm telling you now and he's sitting back in his chair and I'm looking at his face and I'm thinking to myself, he's asking himself, why am I here wasting his time? <laughs> right? Now the doctor, I said to him, I'm going to show you my knee and I rolled up my, my trouser leg and I showed him my knee. And he got down, he looked at it, he took a, an impression, a photograph of it, and he put it up on his computer and he blew it up. And this is what he said to me. Now, Tommy, he said, I know you don't smoke, it's not a smoke burn. You don't use electric blankets, no. He said, it's not a nail gouge. It's not a bite. He said, in my medical professional opinion, he said, you have a localized, severe, per degree burn. <laughs> And he said, it looks like this piece of skin has been removed from your knee, surgically removed from your knee with some form of advanced laser technology. Oh Not only has it cut it lengthwise, cut it, but the, the, you can see there, PJ, the corners are perfectly round. That's right. That's yeah? right. And he said, it has been cut from behind. He said, and the cutting from behind has cauterized the wound so you can't bleed. And uh, I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, and then he's, he reaches over and he, he puts his hand on my wrist and he gives us a squeeze and he starts laughing and he said, did you have a cheese sandwich before you went to bed? <laughs> and I said to him, now doctor, I said, you're the scientist and the doctor in this room. And if you can tell me, I said, how a cheese sandwich can do that, I'm actually going to leave your surgery a very happy man. <laughs> And he looked at me and he said, well, Tommy, he said, I'm grabbing that straw said, because I don't want to believe the alternative. Yeah. But come here to me, has it healed up? Now, this is the next strange thing about it. It has healed up. It has left a mark on my knee, but it healed without forming a scab. Right. Now, you know, if you get cut or even if you cut yourself with a shave, like I, That's right. you get a little scab on it. That's right. This, this wound on my knee has healed up without forming a scab, without getting itchy. Right. And there's just a slight imprint there on my knee still. Did you ever get the dream again? No, I didn't. And uh, <laughs> whether I want another one of those, I don't know. <laughs> but but the, the most amazing thing is that, uh, uh, that this dream, I, I describe it as being part dream, Morphing into part, uh, a blending then of between dream and reality and then reality. It was very vivid, 
very vivid, wasn't it? Yeah. A bit like the dream I described last week that started this conversation. It was such a vivid dream. I was even sort of out of breath when I woke up from the shock of what I'd seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, when when I've told some friends about this, they look at me and they do not accept, and I can see it in their faces and their reply, and you've just done the same thing there now. You said, uh, this was a strange dream. And I say, yes. But I said, just a moment, guys. The reality is, on the word skin, I woke up with an unmerciful pain in my knee. And when I examined it, the physical evidence of what I was told that was going to happen to me, in what I perceived to be a dream, happened. The skin was removed. Tom, I'm believing you because you've told the story so well. It's this dream that ended a particular way, and you have physical evidence evidence. Yeah. There is no other explanation for this, Mark. None. Tom, I wonder if anybody else can beat that as a strange dream. And I promise you, when our analyst joins us on the programme, with your permission, we will let him hear this recording. Oh, yes, indeed. (laughs) Let the world hear it, because I would love to know if anybody else has experienced this. Absolutely. If anybody is listening and has woken up with physical evidence. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've most enjoyed this conversation. Right. Thank you for talking to me and thank you for for listening to me. And I hope you get a response. I I can bet we will. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, (laughs) bye-bye. Well, beat that in two moves. That's the best dream story I think I've ever heard. Strange dream, and he wakes up with a cut in his knee. A man who should bleed from a cut because... He is on blood thinners, and his doctor says whatever they did to him, they cauterized it. That's the weirdest of weird dream stories. And we have the picture. We actually have the picture. And the edges of it are as we describe. Maybe with Tom's permission, we might even share the picture. It's it's the perfectly rounded edges. It's it's precision work, like. It's precision work. Can anybody beat that in two moves? Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Remember his story. He was dreaming that he met a strange person from a strange place, who said they were going to take a sample of his skin. And at the mention of the word skin, Tom wakes up in the bed with pain, and there's a mark on his leg where skin has been removed. And he went to his doctor, and the doctor said the skin had been removed skillfully and the wound caught her eyes that's Tom's dream and he wakes up with a real an actual real reminder of what he's been it would remind you of one of the best movies I've ever seen going back to the 70s remember that? Close Encounters of the Third Kind one of the best science fiction movies ever made great scenes from it here Brilliant. Look it up. It's all over the place. You get it anywhere you look for it. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Just brought it to mind for us. <laughs> I know, I know, we're messing. In other news, and here's the thing, I didn't see this. The space station will be visible tonight just after six o'clock. I'd say Tom should get an early night tonight. Uh, they've lost a... What? They've lost a toolbox out of the space station. You're kidding me here. 
they've lost a toolbox and we might be able to see the toolbox from around 20 to 6. But the space station itself will pass over at around 5 past 6. Three or four minutes past 6. A toolbox. <laughs> There's a toolbox floating through space lost off the space station. Maybe inciting that toolbox is the thing that they used to cut Tom's neck. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Got a thing in my front door about a week and a half ago, and it's sitting on the uh, island in the kitchen waiting to be read. And it's big and it's colourful and it invites me to take part in a consultation. The problem is I haven't a flipping clue what it says because I can't understand the map. Um, this is Bus Connects, another round of consultation. Marion, you wanted to talk to me about it. Good morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. I congratulate you on getting the leaflet because I talked to people and nobody got that leaflet but mm-hmm. one. I actually went to the bus stop talk to people to tell them that this happens because there is no information and the missing leaflet I wanted to go personally to the office at Horgan's Key and I couldn't find the office so they I feel NTA really doesn't want to be heard and seen and yeah the problem with our famous bus connects is that I think it's me talking for the mainly elderly population at the lock because there is no bus going at the lock anymore. Is there not? With a new proposal. Does the 214 not pass the lock, no? Now, yes. Yes. But not anymore. Oh, dear. Okay. And I have a, a neighbor who walks with his walker bravely to the bus stop and goes into town he cannot do that anymore because he needs to take three buses and the buses end up at UCC at Washington Street and um, doesn't go into town anymore Crikey. so w- what I said that okay car free city centre is a nice idea but buses have to go there yeah. buses have to bring people into the city centre to do their Shopping, socializing, and so on. And so, so I, and I know that but the minute the minute you mentioned the lock to me, I know it well because that particular bus stop by the lock, where you get the two fourteen, I've gotten it on more than one occasion. You're saying that'll be done away with. That's what Bus Connects shows us, no? Well, because I find it very hard to understand what's happening with Bus Connects. I live on two bus routes, the two twenty and the two sixteen, and I can't make head nor tail of what they plan to do with those ones either. So are you going to the meetings and find out? I'm trying to understand the map. I might well go to the meetings, actually, because it seems to be... Because the last time that there was a round of consultation, we had uh, people from Ballyfehan talking about doing away with the lovely cherry trees that were along there to to facilitate a bus route. It all seems very... And it all does seem very confusing, Marion, you're correct. Yeah, I I met a person near the Beaumont Quarry who said that there was a guy from Dublin here looking at the quarry and said, well, we can't go through here. (laughs) 
fantastic. Good that they come and have a look at least sometimes. But they wanted to put a road through the Beaumont Quarry. Oh, God. Okay. And this is it. Uh, there are consultation times this week starting today, today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and Monday again in various places. And for Toker, for example, where I mentioned the, the population, it's in Nemo Ranges on Douglas Road. How do you get there? The I most, mean, I presume. Pe- people, <laughs> people who need to go to the hospital, they need to take a taxi because there is no bus then. Yeah. It is so ridiculous. And uh, I'm glad that I found out because I take it on myself going to inform people on the bus stops in Cork City on Pana and most of them don't know that's a new one now on me to be fair about Marion I had no idea that that bus stop by the lock was to be done away with under this plan I had no idea of that I had no idea that's what that's what it looks like that's what it looks like anyway yeah. 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 Okay. And to have a bus going from there to UCC at Washington Street, that why does it not go into town? That's where people go, no? And yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. We're going to look deeper into this because there is a round of meetings. Thank you, Marion. There is a round of meetings um, this week to do with the next stage of planning for Bus Connects. But the more we hear about bus connects, the more they seem to be taking away stuff that people have relied upon for years. Um, and this is round three. And there are meetings on. Remember the last time someone was on here saying that the way the bus connects was looking at the, the, the numbers, the Douglas route, that he was going to have a bus stop in his kitchen. That was one man's reading of the map. It's one we'll come back to. Because it's going to be done, it's going to be the future of our bus services and we need to know what's going to be going where or what's not going to be going where. Last bit of business today. Veronica, someone was very kind to you. Morning. Yes, good morning. That's right, PJ. I was so... I couldn't get over the kindness. What happened? Um, I was... Um, I did my grocery shopping yesterday in John Stores in Balavalan. Okay. At 12.30 I was finished and I, 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 I was on a mission... I'm a senior, but I was on a mission then. I was I, I proceeded then, nice and quickly, pushed my trolley over by the candles where the ladies, the ladies' cloakrooms, the ladies' toilets, and I got my two little candles. Yes. And um, I put my hand in my pocket, and lo and behold, I only had the um, 10 euro at that stage from my change from the supermarket. So anyway, I, I proceeded. I was upset. I pro, I, I proceeded then to the um, checkout for my candles, which is over in the drapery, right? Yes. And I went over and um, I paid on my card with those. Mm-hmm. You see, and uh, I I only I had a few coins, but anyway, I went back over then to Costa uh, Costa. No, Cafe yes, Sal, yes. right? You, you thought you should have more. Was that you thought you should? Oh, I had. I, I I only paid, um, I had 100 euro, uh, and, and um, I gave it to the cashier, and she gave me back 40-something, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. 40, 45, 46 
Yeah, 46. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I only had 10. So, um, then my daughter came along. Then I was, was only, then I was bringing the, my messages into the, my shopping bags. And my daughter came along. So, anyway, we went back, back over to the candles. But on my, all our way over, this, this gentleman, one of the managers, all I saw, he had a blue check shirt. Mm. And he said, are you looking for, did you lose money? Well, I could not get over it. It happened so quickly. You would have to find your money. Yeah. Before, before I, I could say, Kush, I had the money in my hand. You know? And um, it was a, uh, well, it was 35 euro, which is... That's, that's 35 quid at anybody's yeah, money. Yeah. I, that's a lovely expression. Cold. I haven't <laughs> heard anyone use that expression in a long time, Veronica, before I could say Kush to a dog. I haven't yeah. heard that in a long time. <laughs> I tell you, but I, I was a bit shaken. But I, I mean, would. Someone picked that up now and handed it in immediately. So I'd like to thank that person. Great. I didn't get her name or anything, you know. Yeah, great kindness in that, Veronica, and it's, it's still out there. There's good people... Everywhere we have other stories coming in, and we get these stories in all the time of good people who do nice, kind things. And maybe before Christmas, we might have an act of kindness morning. We might just do that. We'll see. We'll see. There's uh, thirty. What? There's twenty-five shows left to Christmas. So sometime between now and Christmas, we might do that. Come here, Lorraine and Ross, back again in the morning. Your chance to meet Santa and turn on the lights at Magical Blarney. The two grand minute is there, and the flip and reverse is back. The craziness and the laughter begins again in the morning at six o'clock. That's it from us, though, for today. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of your podcasts are up as soon as possible, and we shall talk to you again tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.